successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show. I am your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for listening today on 980 AM or on iTunes via podcast. Another great show this week. I'm very excited to be back. Uh, I love hosting the show every week. Thank you to all the listeners who've reached out on social media or on, uh, you know, on the radio and on podcasts. I mean, they're just people are coming out of the woodwork via emails. Everything is great. Uh, really exciting uh, to hear from everyone. And you know, if you want to connect with the show, you can always reach out to me on any of the platforms, on a website, or on social media. We're going to have a great show again today. Uh, we're going to be joined in a segment with by Dan Walsh, who's the managing partner and founder of Spokes Cafe and Cyclery. Their website is spokeskc.com. An awesome entrepreneurial story, a great coffee shop slash bike shop. They got it all. Uh, really going to be cool to talk to him because he comes out of the corporate world and he is now uh, in the entrepreneurial business world. And uh, just I can tell you this, he is going to bring a lot of really good advice Really good stories, the transitional stories about corporate to startup. Uh, just Dan Walsh has got a great story to tell, and, and we have a lot of, we'll have a lot of fun with him as well. It'll be a very energetic, entertaining show. I want to bring on our first guest and our co-host for today's show. Thank you so much to Jeff Phillips, Senior Vice President of Landmark National Bank. Joins me each and every month here on the Grill Nation Show, banklandmark.com. Jeff is always bringing on great guests. Today is no uh, exception to that rule. Jeff, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's great to see you, man. Um, what's going on in your world uh, before we get to Dan and how you know Dan and what he's going to talk about? Yeah, well, uh, we're doing we're doing actually really good. It's um, you know, there's plenty of things to watch on the news that uh, bring you down, whether that be elections or uh, viruses or um, things like that. Our but chief, our chief um, losses on this later <laughs> taping this week. Which may be the most the most heartbreaking of them all, right? Um, but uh, no, I mean, for the most part, I feel like uh, business in Kansas City is really humming. We've been very fortunate to have a lot of people approach us about exciting stuff. I mean, buying a business or expanding their business, buying a building. Um, it's it's pretty fun to have those conversations. Uh, but it's an interesting environment because you, as as someone. Uh, who kind of makes their uh, business relationships. I mean, we say that our business really is relationships with people and just banking is a platform on which we do it. But um, you're really having to learn how to do business all over again in today's environment because you can't just pop into somebody's office when you're driving by just to check on them. Um, you have to really uh, think about how you can connect with people and how to reinforce a relationship over the phone or just with a quick email. Um, and you're not going to bump into somebody at a, um, a rubber chicken dinner 
you know, that you're doing a fundraiser for on the weekend. Uh, so figuring out how you can both support those organizations, but also still stay connected, stay relevant uh, and stay on people's mind that when they do have an idea or a question, you're the first one they give a shout to. Yeah, you can't, you know, virtual events now are having, uh, they're doing mingling now kind of in these virtual fundraisers or virtual uh, speeches because people are kind of missed that networking piece, like you said, and nobody wants to, nobody's, nobody's getting on a zoom happy hour anymore. Um, and so it, it's a lot harder. It, that's really cool that you kind of spun it like that. Reinforcing a relationship is not easy in these times, but uh, yeah, it seems to me that you're doing a good job. I like what you said about people wanting to, to grow. You're seeing more of that. I mean, three or four months ago, we weren't seeing any of that. We're just like stay afloat when I had you on back then. Yeah. Now, now you're saying people are expanding or looking to grow their companies. Yeah, they are. And, you know, that's actually kind of reinforced in us this idea of, you know, we've talked about here before about how we're trying to be continual learners and to encourage people to be continual learners. And so it's actually time for us to crank out our next book in our landmark library. And that's going to be um, Excellence Wins. Uh, that's by Horst Schultz. Uh, he's the co-founder of Ritz Carlton. And uh, that came to us uh, from Andy Moyes, uh, Moyes Eye Center. And it was a book that he said was very impactful to him on how you focus on treating customers, how you focus on treating employees and how you focus on um, your leadership. And there's things in there that you'll be like, oh, yeah, I got that. You know, that you want to, you know, have create a great customer experience uh, um, you know, be by making it individualized and being sensitive to what their likes and dislikes are and their habits and things like that. But I, I, I really liked how it talked about focusing on being uh, that you need to keep learning and keep reconfirming um, the experience with your customers to build that trust and loyalty. Uh, and it actually has some tactics tactics in there about how to handle complaints, you know, things like that, some real life experiences. Um, it focuses on uh, employees and how you reinforce the important things, not simply measure the results, but you focus on what motivates uh, people and also on your objectives. And one of the things I thought was cool about that was it talked about the orientation. Like the first day we bring employees in, a lot of times we say, well, here's your login, your username and password. Here's your phone directory. Now go to it. When really in orientation, you should be spending all your time talking about your vision and where things are headed. Um, and then the last parts of the book are really focused on leadership and honing those skills. So uh, as you know, Jason, that's one of those that we'll post and uh, we welcome anybody that would like to read it. We're happy to send them a complimentary copy. And uh, it's fun just to maybe be an encourager for folks to be uh, readers and learners and be better versions of themselves. What's the name of the book again, Jeff? It's going to be Excellence Wins by Horst Schultz. Excellence wins. I like that title. And uh, brought, uh, that was submitted to you by who again? Andy Moyes for Moyes Eye Center up in the Northland. Like it. I like it. Um, we got Dan Walsh on today, who is um, who is probably adheres to a lot of those policies that are that are mentioned in that book and suggestions. Tell us about your relationship with him and uh, with, as a friend and as a uh, colleague. It sounds like business wise. Yeah, Dan has been a really really good friend. We met uh, probably twelve or fourteen years ago, and. Uh, you know, he's an open book. He's a learner. He's uh, got tons of energy. Uh, he's a connector. He loves introducing people that uh, he thinks would be able to help each other. Um, and it's just fun to have a conversation with him because he's so positive 
but also a realist. And those are the people that I love visiting with and I get energy from because they're looking to where they want to go, but they're also a realist about what needs to happen or what needs to change. And uh, I've introduced him multiple times to people for him to pass on the advice and the experience that he's had uh, in growing a business so that they could uh, uh, reap some of that from him. Mm-hmm. He owns, uh, he's a managing partner and founder of Spokes Cafe, Cyclery, and Coffee. They, they're at SpokesKC.com. It, and, you know, it's, it looks like, I mean, I can't wait to go try it. I've been there before, but I can't wait to go try it again after I'm sure it will be a spirited conversation with Dan Walsh. Again, managing partner and founder of Spokes Cafe. Their website is SpokesKC.com. I want to thank Jeff Phillips again for joining me today. He's going to be with us the entire show. Great bank, Landmark National Bank, uh, banklandmark.com. We mentioned the book series. Uh, if you, you know, I, I can't speak more highly about Jeff and all the, all the work he does and also everything he does to connect people and build relationships and, and be a true thought leader in Kansas City. Great guy. So check out, uh, check out Landmark National Bank as well, banklandmark.com. Jeff, we're going to be right back with Dan Walsh. Thanks for listening to the Grill Nation show here on 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. We'll be right back. Closing time. Open all the doors and let you out into the world. Hello and welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I am your host, Jason Grill. We've had a, a great first segment of the show today. I'm excited for our guest to join us here. Uh, again, Jeff Phillips, Senior Vice President at Landmark National Bank, banklandmark.com. Jeff uh, Jeff, or one of his colleagues joins us each and every month with a uh, really cool and entrepreneurial story or a business owner that's really kind of uh, doing a lot here in the Kansas City region. We like to we like to learn from them. We like to highlight them. And uh, today's is going to be pretty, pretty exciting. I'm excited to have our guest on, Jeff. Um, why don't you introduce our guest? We're going to be joined now via Zoom by Dan Walsh, who's the managing partner and founder of Spokes Cafe and Cyclery. Um, take it away, Jeff. Yeah, well, I'm excited uh, for everyone to visit with Dan today. Um, some, you know, I'm pretty lucky in that I get to have customers who become friends, and I get to have friends that become customers. Uh, Dan is in that latter category. We actually met uh, through the chamber, the Greater Kansas City Chamber Centurion Program uh, back several years ago. And uh, he was uh, in a different career path then. And we got to be friends. We got to do some business uh, there. But um, really, you could tell that Dan had a passion about doing his own thing and leading his own group. And that uh, ultimately um, resulted in spokes. And uh, Spokes is a is a, a cool idea and um, extremely well executed, and um, I'm excited to talk about it today. Yeah, and Spokes is online at spokeskc.com. Let's welcome in Dan. Dan, um, I've met you a long time ago. I, frankly, I got to be honest with you. I knew you in your former life as well, and so um, I'm excited to hear about kind of this transition to Spokes. But tell us a little bit about your background, your your journey, kind of. Uh, Jeff kind of alluded to it a little bit, but give us kind of the, the, the intro on Dan and uh, kind of how you got to Spokes and, and where you are today. You know, I, I kind of grew up in what, what we would consider a traditional corporate environment. So right out of college, um, I worked at Hallmark for about 11 years, was doing a variety of branding, product development, forecasting, 
um, licensing kind of jobs. And so um, from there, <clears throat> you know, I, uh, I kind of had a choice to make either kind of be a lifer in the corporate environment or kind of go out on my own. Um, and from there, I, I left and went to a smaller company, which was a, still a hundred year old company, but it was a furniture company in Kansas City called Kramer Incorporated. Um, it was a small uh, it was is a small um, office furniture and med tech device tech furniture company. But the unique part about it was it was owned by a private equity group. And uh, they were kind of they kind of stripped the business all the way down and then were building it for kind of a new new generation kind of deal. And so um, from there, we kind of split, sold out of that thing and then worked a little bit with a startup for a few years, a home building company. Um, and so kind of that was from the ground up. I would think I was employee number three, built the brand, built product line, all that kind of stuff. And then once that got up and running, I kind of rolled out and uh, decided to do, to do my own thing. So it was kind of a, uh, a journey of uh, education leading, leading to this point. I wasn't, it wasn't like um, I tell people like, like owning a coffee shop, bike shop wasn't always a dream of mine as a child, but uh, owning a business was. And so a lot of the experience that I had all kind of pointed to where I am now. Mm -hmm. And so you come out of the marketing branding world then. Which helps when you, when you do what you do now. That uh, marketing branding is definitely where my, uh, you know, if you looked at my functional skills, that's where it would be. I was lucky enough to have a family that owned a catering company growing up. So that's where kind of the food piece of the business comes. I, I never worked in a restaurant specifically, but like we had a catering company and we had a food truck back before food trucks were cool. So when I was a Junior in high school, I was driving the Walsh's World of Barbecue food truck as my uh, as my summer job. Congrats! That, I, oh, thanks. That really, kind of fits in here what we're talking about, Jeff. And I know Jeff. Before, before we get to kind of the, the shifting of the businesses, I'd like to just learn more about Spokes and and kind of give us a flyover of of of, of what you all do. I mean, it's very unique with with the cafe and with food and with the whole cycle and bike shop in there as well. Tell us about what Spokes KC is, and they're online at spokeskc.com. So it's a bike shop or a cafe with a, a – I'm sorry. I should say it right since we're doing branding. We like to call ourselves a hangout with a bike shop in the back. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of – you know, the, the concept that we have is not super unique throughout the country, but it's generally a bike shop that's added taps or added an espresso machine is generally what you see. We're kind of one of the first completely integrated ones where we feel like there is, uh, uh, you know, we're really a cafe slash coffee shop slash bar. The the bike shop is kind of a standalone business in the back. It's it. Th there's a variety of reasons for it. It differentiates us from every other coffee shop and cafe in town. There's also a need for local bike shops in communities, especially in, you know, kind of urban communities where people ride bikes. However, it's very hard, especially in a four season environment like we have to operate a small bike shop like that so so tucked inside of a a cafe like we have um it, it creates the the demand is there for a small bike shop but we're not burdened with the overhead and the inventory and all of that other stuff that most bike shops are and you mentioned catering uh you guys do that as well um i gotta say i had one of your offerings um i had the peanut yeah. butter protein shake once and it was delight yeah. it was a, it was just so good and then i ended up going back and back and forth three or four more times when I was at city hall, because you guys have a location, you know, you have two locations actually, but one of them is on Walnut, correct? Okay, yeah. uh, back to what you we were talking about before. We also, just because of my background, right. When we started the business, we started a strong catering business as well. So we do box lunches. We do box breakfast. We really do kind of B2B catering 
Um, and, and right now our, our offering kind of fits into what's going on in the world because most of it's individually packaged or whatever. But yes, we do have a second location on Walnut. Our first location is at 12th and Washington, just one block west of Broadway. And then we opened a second location about a year and a half ago at 10th and Walnut. And it was, Jeff, you wanted, to like, talk about, you wanted to talk a little bit about kind of how opening a second store was different from opening your first store. I think that's kind of interesting because a lot of people uh, listen to the show that have a business or who are growing a business. Um, what was that experience like and what was the difference before between launching the first and then deciding to operate a second? Uh, you know, we have a bit of a unique uh, unique. Uh, I, I, don't, I would say value proposition to our landlords and that we find that um, we're not looking to open 15 locations in strip malls. Uh, we find that we are, we are best served, at least at this point, being an amenity to either a business and or residential area. And so, uh, and so the, the Wooster brothers who are a group in town, uh, Wooster Investments, they bought 909, which is a huge apartment building next to us. They also own the building that was next to us at our first location. And there was a scooters in this spot that was leaving. And so they came to us and said, you know, we'd love for, you know, we know what you guys do. We know how, how you do it. Um, we'd love for you to be an amenity in our building as well. If you would like this spot to take it. Uh, the second store for us, it was just, I mean, it's so much easier to operate because we knew how to design it. We knew what business we were in. In the first store, we, we thought we knew what business we were in. Um, and now that we know what business we're in, it just runs runs much more efficiently. We're also a little bit of a different model because we're only seven blocks apart from each other. There's a, um, you know, coffee shops have about an eighth of a mile radius in terms of customer pull in reality. I think there's two or three coffee shops actually between us and our other store. Uh, but we operate them kind of as one shop split between two because we, we have small kitchens in both spaces. We do a lot of catering. Um, so we, we use one as a prep kitchen. We, you know, we may do all of our eggs at one store. We may do all of our bacon at the other store. And then we're lucky enough to be able to run them back and forth. But it's a definitely a different vibe in this neighborhood. I'm at the Walnut store right now. You know, we're smack, bag, smack dab between a couple of major banks in town, you know, some law firms, some consulting firms, that kind of stuff at the other store. There's a couple major businesses over there, but there's also quite a bit of residential in Quality Hill. Yeah, so um, Kansas City is kind of colloquial, and even downtown is is very colloquial. And so you talked about being in the finance district versus being more in kind of a reg- residential area. How how have you been able to stay disciplined to uh, accommodate to those different areas for those locations? Uh, also do catering, also do some nighttime activity, also do lunch, also do breakfast, do all those different things, but still be consistent in the brand that you're delivering. Well, I mean, that's a challenge what we do. We tell people we're also, you know, a dry cleaner, a nail salon, a, a massage parlor, all of those things. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we, it's interesting when we opened the second shop, we were definitely, we did, we do five times more coffee at the second shop than we do the first. And we do about half the amount of food business that we do at the shop. So we try to, um, we, we try to just every week, every month, every six months kind of hone our offering to, to be what we're really selling to say, are we, um, you know, we do believe in consistency between the two stores. We want someone to walk into one store and be able to get the exact same experience and the exact same product line they get at the other store. But the, um, the fact of the matter is we just look at the numbers and, and, and try to spend as much time as we can behind the register and listen to what people are asking for and, um, and try to deliver that. But we do have differentiated hours based on the neighborhood. We have, you know, some, uh, you know, definitely we have more of a bar selection at our one store because it's a night business versus the day, the day store, a uh, variety of things like that. But it, 
it's a challenge. We can talk about it later, Jason, but uh, I got a, uh, I got a funny story about, I mean, Dan is one of those guys that he's not just sitting up uh, thinking of business theory. Like he is on the ground uh, dealing with customers and really being sensitive to what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. And he'll run with something for a while, but if it's not working, he cuts loose of it or changes it. And he's, he's a good operator in that way. I should always have. It's like I was listening to the, this may be off topic, but like the 80,000 person petition for the Taco Bell Mexican pizza once they announced it was going away and like 80,000 people have signed a petition. And it's like, you know, that ship has sailed. Like they know how much waste they have. They know how many they sell per store. It's like once that decision's made, it's gone. And so like for us, like a Reuben is a great example. Like we make an awesome Reuben, right? And we're you know, it, it's perfect with what we do. It has melted cheese. It has, you know, I mean, our, we're just built for that kind of thing. But like we put it on the menu in July and we didn't sell that many. We, we still sold five times as many Southwest chicken sandwiches as we did Reuben. So it was like we we wanted, we really wanted to bring it in as a regular item. But we we listened to what the customers told us. So we'll continue to do as, as a special every once in a while. But um, sometimes you just float that stuff. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But there's no reason to take up four pans on your steam table with Reuben pieces when you're selling two of them a day. Dan Walsh is joining us. Spokes KC, spokeskc.com. Jeff Phillips from uh, Landmark Bank. We're going to be right back after the break with more Grill Nation. Thanks for joining us today on 980 AM or on iTunes via podcast. I thought I saw a man brought to life. He was warm. He came around like he was dignified. Hello and welcome back to the Grill Nation show here on 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast or on our website, grillnationshow.com. I, uh, I'm your host, Jason Grill. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Grill or on social media. Just search for Jason Grill. We post all of our information to social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, find us there. Dan Walsh is joining us, managing partner and founder of Spokes Cafe and Cyclery. Their website is spokeskc.com. Thankful also to be joined by Jeff Phillips, Senior Vice President of Landmark National Bank. Great bank here in our region. Their website is banklandmark.com. Um, Jeff, I want to start kind of where you left off. I want you to take us off here talking about kind of Kansas City downtown and then also kind of getting into some of the issues around uh, corporate jobs and solo business ownership. Yeah, well, you know, as Dan mentioned earlier, uh, he's had a successful career um, with some, I mean, the who's who in Kansas City as far as um, corporate jobs go. And I was curious, Dan, how do you think that that experience helped you in running your own shop? And maybe how did it create baggage that you had to overcome as well? Um, you know, from a, from a help me standpoint, I would say, um, I, I felt like I went to a, another 10 year MBA program just in terms of watching, um, especially from a branding, marketing, product perspective, learning discipline across those things at, at, a, at a company like Hallmark. You couldn't just snap your fingers and, and get something done. And so, you know, for us, when we, when we started, although, you know, you, you want to bootstrap as much as possible, you know, we went to a marketing firm, we had some brainstorms. When we launched our website, when we launched our, all of our marketing material, we had we have a style guide, we have a you know a font that we use, a color scheme that we use, uh, and so that consistency uh, just just uh, allows you to kind of be in in 
I want to say big boy business right from the start, you know, kind of one of the biggest compliments I get is when people walk in and they're like, are you guys a chain? Are you from somewhere else? And, and, you know, what that just means is you guys do real live marketing, right? Like you have a consistent presentation, you're branding online and your website fits with your in-store experience, everything, you know, you don't have typos on your menu, all of those kind of things. Um, so that, that uh, I think just that discipline. And then also, you know, there's a, there's a, data analysis and reporting aspect of it as well. When you're used to seeing reports or needing to, to report out to partners and those kind of things, that's not always required. Um, when you're kind of an entrepreneur, you know, you could kind of just roll month to month. Um, but you know, for us, we like to button everything down and Jeff, you've seen our books like anybody has, I mean, there, you know, you, you pick a line item in a month and I can tell you why it's good, bad, different, why there's an anomaly, any of those kind of things. And so, Kind of, kind of learning, learning that from folks is was good. You know, on the downside, I, I'm not sure there's a downside. I would say I, I empathize with people that try to go right from corporate to entrepreneurial. Um, you know, I did it, but I was not in a managing partner position at that point, so I had a very small part of an equity. So I was able to go and learn kind of the private equity side. You know, what it's like to be earned by a private equity group and have investors. What it's like to work in a company that is, you know, I went from what Hallmark was 18,000 at the time to a company that had 25 employees. Um, and so learning kind of, you know, what cash flow looks like, what, what it matters, what's in your bank account, not necessarily what your sales say, all of those kind of things. But I did it and it wasn't on my dime, like my, you know, my, it, it wasn't all my investment. So I kind of learned how to do small business with some other folks. And that was, that was never really the plan. Like, I don't want to act like I had this 20 year plan. Like I kind of fell backwards into everything I've ever done, but I do, you know, looking back on the career, it was like every piece I went, I, I learned a little bit more. So I was in a small company, but they were a hundred year old company. So it wasn't like I was doing startup. And then I went to startup and I had a little more piece of equity, but I still wasn't doing, it wasn't all my money at risk. And then I jumped out and now I have the most equity and I have the most risk and all of those kind of things. But I had, 10 years of corporate background, 10 years of corporate discipline, and then 10 years of entrepreneurship when I wasn't necessarily the one on the line for everything. And um, it made it a little less scary. I remember the when I was working at Kramer, the, 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 way, the time that I knew I had made it in the small business world is, uh, I can't even think of the company now, but we had $120,000 that was owed to us by a retailer that went out of business. Uh, or, or, you know, we had, we had shipped a big order to them. We read online, I think it was linens and things, actually. We shipped a big order. We read online that they went out of business. And my first question was, how much money do they owe us? Um, you know, and, it, and a big company like Hallmark, you're not worried about cash flow or like paying bills or whatever. Like accounts payable, accounts receivable, and cash flow are not your deal when you're in a business unit managing a product line. Um, but those things do become much more important. And, it, and a lot of times it matters less what your P&L says and more how much money you have in the bank um, at the end of the day, because you got to pay payroll every two weeks. And so you need to be looking at both sides. And so that that kind of growing up in a smaller environment and understanding that piece before I went out on my own was important because you can get upside down very quickly cash wise, you know, if you're not watching it day one, that's, that's the biggest risk of small business is the cash flow piece of it. You mentioned uh, you kind of were a, a small part of this when it started as an investor or, and, and you know, that's kind of interesting story. Tell us about that because so many times businesses change partnerships, investors, you get diluted. I mean, now it seems like you have a group of investors. 
talk to us about that and some of the advantages and disadvantages too. I, I kind of think that's interesting because it, it's just never talked about when we talk about owning your own company well, and businesses. Yeah, so this, this business we started out, I mean, straight up, like, um, you know, the money that we needed to get started, um, you know, as, as nice as Jeff Phillips is, uh, he wasn't going to write me a check for all of it. Uh, and, regulations, and, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> what? And um, and so a lot of times when you start a business like this, like, you know, you, you, you it's kind of that that line of like, if you really want to build a spot or build a retail spot or whatever, sometimes you can't bootstrap. You need some bring, to bring some folks in. And so we put together a, a portfolio um, or, or kind of a, an offer sheet that said, this is what we're looking to do. Um, this is kind of our five year plan. This is what we're uh you know, this is what our payback looks like, all of those kind of things. And we went out and we talked to friends and family and, and uh, people that we knew and raised some money to get the thing done. And, you know, you just basically trade equity in the business for that. So you, you know, reserve, you reserve as much as you can for yourself. Um, and then, but, but you can't, you don't always just start a business where you're the sole proprietor. And, uh, and it's a fun group. Like for us, you know, I learned that, you know, I'm a lot, I feel much more, I think, um, pressure and beholden to the the uh, the investors than they have as their expectations. They um, that they like to be, you know, it's it's kind of what we were talking about. A lot of them have corporate jobs. A lot of them are jobs in bigger places, but they want to have their toe in an entrepreneurial experience. They like seeing what we're doing. Uh, they think we're they're original and honestly, like we have a group of about twenty investors, and they're our biggest cheerleaders. Like they're. Um, you know, they're all over our, our Instagram pictures. They come in, they eat our sandwiches, they buy our bikes, all of those kind of things. But it's a, it, it's an interesting process. Our step one was we, we did two paths. We were raising money at the same time that we were putting the business together. And we kind of had a, you know, a date where we said, okay, if we raise this much money, then we're ready to go. If we don't, um, you know, you, you got to pay to build out, to build out the store. Someone's got to come up with that cash. Well, time, Dan, at that time when you were lining all this stuff up or was this, did you just kind of decide I'm going to do this and. I'm going to put my yeah, chips to where they are. I had rolled out of a, uh, a a previous entrepreneurial job, and I was looking to start something on my own, and and I needed to, I needed to be all in. I mean, we planned the thing for a year from the, you know, we uh, we started talking about it in April, and we opened the next May, um, and I worked full time for the year to put it together. It was funny. We um, I, I was talking to another entrepreneur who has a spot kind of next to ours, and he works. He has a little less labor intensive spot, but he works full time for a corporate environment. He was like how long did you have this thing going before you were able to quit your day job? And I was like, man, I quit my day job a year before I was able to get this thing going. Like it's exactly the opposite. Like I was, I was all in um, a year prior to opening. Which actually created an interesting opportunity for him, Jason, because he was able to actually go and work in another uh, coffee uh, establishment (laughs) for nothing else to see what are people ordering like what is really what are people actually ordering? you can report your earnings all day long and i can try to surmise what's successful or i can actually be the one taking the order and i thought that was so cool that he would do that you know i wasn't working you know 12 hours a day or whatever so i took a job at another coffee shop and just saw how many shots i could pull kind of you know what hit tried to hit the ground running what i learned in some other businesses was like you can have all the grand plans you want, but like, if you don't execute, it doesn't matter. And I mean, I know that's a generic thing to say, but it's like, I had never been a barista before I'm opening a coffee shop. And so it's just that Bill Gates, 10,000 hours thing. It's like how many shots I can pull, how much milk I can steam, um, all of those kind of things. You know, I, it, when I did it, I felt 
kind of bad about it because I felt like I was kind of like, you know, like using the competition. What I know now is if I had an employee that said to me, I just, I'm going to give you six months of really strong work. I would take them in a second, even if they knew they're opening another coffee shop. Like it was, uh, it, it was one of those things that the, um, the funny story, which Jeff has heard at one point, they came to me, one of the employees that was like a high schooler that worked in the kiosk, the coffee kiosk with me. The manager said, they have a question to ask you. And I said, okay, what is it? And and the guy looked at me and he goes, are we on undercover boss? And, uh, <laughs> That's and he said, Cause he's like, because you seem a little overqualified to be doing this job. And I'm like, well, here's the deal. There's no cameras here. First and second of all, I wouldn't be working here for six months if this was undercover boss. Like, no, this is my uh, no. I'm just here. That's interesting, man. That's that. We've never had a guest. Well, we've had one. I'll, I'll mention him briefly. Uh, uh, Chris Harris, who uh, built the uh, golf course in inner city Kansas City. He he did work it up. Got a job somehow at Mission Hills as their uh, one of their uh, the, the the grounds crew, I guess, and learned how to build bunkers, keep bunkers well, maintain a course, and. He did that. That That is the only other time we've ever had someone on who's kind of done the undercover boss thing. The other part of that story that's interesting is people, you know, as we built financials as well, the other really on the ground thing that I did is as we built financials, you know, you, you kind of have an idea of how many people are coming through, but you don't, you don't really know what it looks like. And for us, it's all about transactions. So I would go to other coffee shops in the morning from eight to 10 and I would have a counter on my phone and I would just count how many customers they had walked through the door and walk to the counter. And so let's pick up there after the break. You're listening to the okay. Show here at 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show on 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. I am Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us again today. I want to pick up right where we left off with Dan Walsh, who is the managing partner and founder of Spokes Cafe. Uh, they're online at spokeskc.com. Jeff Phillips from Landmark National Bank is also here, banklandmark.com. Dan, you were telling us about your stories about kind of counting coffees being sold and clicking them. I mean, you really were hustling to get this thing going and really kind of looked at a lot of data. I mean, it, it's pretty impressive. I think when you're building financials like that, like I, I, I needed it to make sense. I needed to know like, if this is my revenue projection, how does that, how many people does that, does that equal walking through the door during the day? And so if I'm going to, if I'm going to say that the best way to do it is watch another coffee shop. And so I'd go to different areas, different busyness of different coffee shops, sit there and drink coffee and count during a busy time. This is how many people walk through the door during not busy time. This is how many people walk through the door. You know, you know, that way, when you look at your financials or your projections, it's a lot more, it's a lot more solid. And I think, you know, going, you know, now looking back, I'm not sure like we're, you know, we, we hit a lot of the metrics we had. We don't hit some of the metrics that we had, but what we do is our average ring and our number of customers through the door is pretty consistent with what we started at. What's your most popular item, coffee-wise and food-wise, just so I don't have to go to your store and start counting uh, when I want to open up a coffee shop? Yeah, we, we tell everybody. Like, uh, our breakfast burritos are our number one item. We, um, we sell, you know, I've got catering for 125 breakfast burritos on Friday morning. We've sold 20,000 burritos in the last year. Uh, we, we have four kinds. We have a, a chorizo, a sausage, a bacon, and a veggie. They're just basic. Like um, Our secret is really we fresh shred all of our cheese. So in our breakfast burrito, it's fresh shredded pepper jack cheese. It's heated up, and then it's grilled, so it's kind of kissed on the grill with a, with a crunchy, salty outside. 
Um, so that's our number, that's our number one item uh, in terms of selling that. And then, you know, coffee wise, uh, we sell, a, I mean, we sell a whole lot of vanilla lattes because everybody sells a whole lot of vanilla lattes, but that peanut butter peddler you're talking about is a, it's a peanut butter uh, protein shake. It's a, it's pretty popular. People like it. It was funny the other day, somebody ordered one and uh, they came back and they were like, it's called a peanut butter protein shake. Right. And they, they brought it back and the guy's like, this isn't really what I was thinking it was going to be. And I said, well, I can get you something else. But I was like, but what exactly were you expecting? Like, it's basically <laughs> a cup of peanut butter. <laughs> like, it tastes like a cup of liquid peanut butter. I'm not sure what your expectations were, but I mean, we got him a smoothie and it was all good. But it's like, there's nothing on the menu that's closest, that's closer to the description than a peanut butter protein smoothie. <laughs> I love it, man. Um, I, so the Viking aspect. Like yeah. I can go to your store. I can walk into your store and I don't have to be in bike gear. Like, were you a biker? Did you have anything to do with biking? I mean, what, how did that all happen? Because that's kind yeah, of cool. the unique differentiator about you, at least locally. Yeah, so a couple of my major, my main partners, Ty and Ryan, they were both cyclists and they were looking to open a shop. They were looking to open kind of what I talked about before a bike shop with taps or an espresso machine. Sure. And I was looking to open a breakfast and lunch place with catering. And I had happened to spend a lot of time in Minneapolis at a previous job where there was a bike shop that had espresso, an espresso machine, um, or we'd spend hours and hours there. So I kind of had this vision of what a bike shop cafe looked like. Um, and I also thought about how we could probably do it better and more integrated. And, you know, it's, it's always about, you know, from my MBA school and every bit of strategy that, you know, I've ever read, you know, it's about being different, not about being better in a lot of cases. And we felt like there could be an energy and a vibe in a bike shop that you don't get in a typical cafe. You know, there's some sexiness at lunch when somebody's wrenching on the bike in the back while you're eating a meatloaf melt. Um, it's just a little different than every other cafe in Kansas City. And so and, and then there, there's a strong bike culture that kind of support underlining supports us if you come in during a during a weekend cyclists need some place to ride right uh they're they they like to go on a ride but they always end up at their own house so we're a destination on the weekend for folks to come down big groups come in get breakfast have a beer all of those kind of things so it's just kind of you know we say every good ride starts with a starts with a coffee and ends with a beer and that's kind of what we do you pick the spot downtown because you live downtown and that's kind of where your center of influence is what is uh what's downtown looked like over the last couple of years what changes have you seen you know just getting it's just getting more normalized to live downtown you know, the explosion of one light, two light, uh, the re- the residential project that we're in, I think there's 700 people that live within three blocks over there. And so the density creates a need for amenities and the amenities are, are like what, what we do. You know, it's like, it used to be, you know, pl- everybody closed on the weekends, you, you know, and, 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 uh, and now, you know, some of our busiest days are on Saturday and Sunday because the residents are around there. You know, I keep fighting with city parking to tell them, you know, these, these parking signs in front of these businesses not need to not be just Monday through Friday because we're open Saturday and Sunday. You need to turn over these spots. And if your parking rules indicate downtown is closed on the weekends, you're sending a signal to every visitor in town and everybody else that downtown, um, you know, rolls up the mats and closes on Friday afternoon at six o'clock. So when we've got a convention in town or anything like that, all these signals are that Kansas City is not a vibrant downtown thing. And so we've, you know, continued to work. That's just one example. But in a lot of areas around that to show people, people live down here. People, you know, they go out. They do all of those things on the weekend. This is a seven-day-a-week downtown Kansas City. It's not just business. And then everybody goes away. And it's really interesting because COVID has kind of highlighted that in the fact that 
so many of the businesses that were Monday through Friday are not down here right now. But like our store, our busy store now, our busiest store used to be the one that was next to the banks. Now our busiest store is in the residential area because those folks are not going to wherever they used to work. They're staying home and they come in the shop every day. So it's almost the residents of downtown are propping us up versus staying open for just the businesses downtown. Hey, uh, Dan, we got two and a half minutes left. What's your biggest uh, accomplishment with Spokes KC and what, what was your biggest uh, hit and miss or failure? I'll start with the biggest failure. You know, we try to be everything to everybody. You start wide open. So we started open 15 hours a day, seven days a week. And that was a lot. Um, and now even with COVID, we've kind of, we've kind of drawn back to more of a day schedule only, and we're, we're maintaining kind of our base of business. So I think our biggest, our, our biggest miss was trying to be everything to everybody, right? We opened, we were super aggressive, not understanding that like, once you start the merry-go-round, it doesn't stop. So once you tell everybody you're open 15 hours a day, seven days a week, you got to be open 15 hours a day, seven days a week. You can't take every third day off because you don't want to be that place. It's like, yeah, it's super cool, but I never go there. Uh, you know, our biggest day, uh, uh, or I never go there cause it's not open, right? Like I show up and it's not there, you know, it's a three o'clock on a Sunday, it's not open. So I never, I don't think to go there. Um, no, I think our biggest accomplishment is just um, consistently delivering. Like we're very proud of our online reviews um, on in our catering site and on our Google site and on Yelp and everything else. We're consistently between four and a half and five stars um, with hundreds and hundreds of reviews that come in. So the ability to really, um, you know, you can only execute one customer at a time. And so for folks to go out and to say, I went here and I had a really good experience and that we find that consistently. And then, you know, the online reviews are fine, but really our repeat customer base is the one that really tells you that if you don't like a place, it can be the best idea in the world, the coolest bike shop ever, uh, bike shop cafe. But if you don't have a good experience first, you don't go back to it. And our core base of really good loyal customers are what we're really proud of, because I think that means we execute each time they come in. Very interesting stuff. Spokes KC is the website, spokeskc.com. Dan Walsh has been our guest today. He is the managing partner and founder of Spokes Cafe and Cyclery. Again, their website is spokeskc.com. They're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I want to thank him, and I want to thank Jeff Phillips, Senior Vice President of Landmark National Bank, for connecting us today to Dan. The website for the bank is banklandmark.com. Awesome stuff, guys. Uh, Appreciate you both joining us today via Zoom. Uh, and putting together this great show for our listeners. A lot of great information shared with us today, Jeff, by uh, Dan. So I appreciate both of you joining us today. Thanks to all the listeners for listening as well.